Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. I'm super excited to chat with this week's podcast guest. This extraordinary young farmer and scientist is a change maker and is dedicated to raising awareness of climate change impacts on farms and ecosystems. Among many other awards she has won is the 2017 Young Achiever Awards Environment and Sustainability Award, as well as the 2018 prestigious Prime Super Agricultural Innovation Award, part of the New South Wales ACT Regional Achievement and Community Awards. Well, that was a mouthful. Annika Molesworth is a sought-after keynote speaker and has travelled the world meeting with farmers, global leaders and royalty. And it's been such a pleasure to watch her journey. Annika Molesworth is a sought-after keynote speaker and has travelled the world meeting with farmers, global leaders and royalty. And it's been such a pleasure to watch her journey over the past few years. Anika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me along, Jeff. Absolute pleasure and a real privilege as well, I have to say. You're an extraordinary young woman and I think it's fair to say that you've packed a whole lot into your life so far. What initially motivated you to study and then undertake a PhD in agricultural science? Well, I think I'm naturally a very curious person. I was always the kid who was, you know, exploring in the backyard, digging up critters or, you know, climbing a tree and and just sort of peering closely at the world and studying it and trying to make sense of it. And I think it was very natural that I then fell into the world of science uh, because scientists, they are constantly asking questions about why is something this way? Why have we encountered such and such problem? And how do we overcome it? How do we do things better than we have in the past? And so undertaking first um, a bachelor in agricultural science, then a master's in sustainable agriculture, and then a PhD, looking at how do we recycle and revalue agricultural waste better, um, really just sparked my fascination of how this world works, how can humans best interact with it, and how do we tackle some of the really big problems that faces humanity in regards to climate change, in regards to food security, in regards to ensuring that we've got beautiful, vibrant biodiversity long into the future. And the food and farming sector is this wonderful, you know, cross-section of all these big questions. 
Um, and so there's not a day that I don't spring out of bed to do what I do. That's awesome. Agriculture really is the backbone of our country, isn't it? Both in terms of food, shelter, uh, and what we drink as well. And without it, who knows where we would be. You've also had, of course, some practical understanding of agriculture, as I believe your family are on a farm and, uh, and farmers. Yeah, so I live in far western New South Wales, um, near Broken Hill, on the traditional lands of the Willakali people. And if you haven't been to far western New South Wales, it is a, a starkly beautiful part of the country of ruby red sands and sapphire blue skies. And I feel incredibly privileged to call this place home and to uh, look at it with a scientific, um, you know, inquisitiveness and to also have the honour of trying to grow food for the community. You would have uh, experienced a lot of sand going back during the, uh, say, 10 years ago with the droughts that you would have experienced firsthand, I'm sure. Yeah, well, that's actually what prompted my whole interest in climate change and um, how do we look after the environment in the best possible way because my family actually did purchase our property in the year 2000, which was the start of the 10-year-long millennium drought. And also the last five years now have been drought for us. Um, and these past five years, continuing to today, are, are much worse than what we experienced during that millennium um, period. And so it has been this really close relationship with droughts and dust storms and heat waves and to feel them at quite a personal and emotional level that has, you know, con continued to push me to understand, okay, why are, why are these changes occurring in our climate and in our environment? How are they impacting rural people, vulnerable people? Um, how do we ensure we can produce food for a rapidly growing global population long into the future? but with reduced environmental footprint. And it's those big questions um, and being able to look out the window and to see the reality of, you know, the fragility of our natural world and how we as the custodians at this point in time, we need to do our best to look after it. Yes, well, I certainly feel for your family and all of those affected by the drought. You're so right. It must be a heavy burden in terms of how do we uh, conquer, how do we overcome uh, climate change and also, of course, the fragility, as you so rightly put it, of our, um, of our food chain. It really is a little bit scary. It's like a scary movie. Uh, so, yeah, it's a big challenge and I'm glad you're one of the people charged with uh, helping us to find some outcomes and, and educating others as well. I, and I think by the end of this podcast, all will agree you're, you're the perfect person to help us along the way. You're an extraordinary woman. What was the focus of your PhD? So the focus of the PhD was actually across countries. Um, so I was learning about, um, it, it actually looked at a few things. It was looking at our soils, our water resources, uh, the production of food crops and fibre crops 
and also how that flows onto rural communities, the people aspect. Because too often we sort of pull apart problems and we approach them in this fragmented effort of how do we deal with people problems over here? And how do we deal with food problems here and environment and climate over there? And unfortunately, the world doesn't actually operate that way. They're very much intertwined. And these are some of the lessons that I learned, particularly during the drought, when the rain stopped falling, when there was less vegetation, when we had to sell our sheep, which was less income, when people were leaving our rural community. And you realize, you know, right in front of your face, oh my goodness, like this is how the dots actually connect. And so I brought that, you know, that bigger picture, holistic questioning to my PhD and not just within Australia, but also, you know, at a global context. And so I spent half of my PhD actually in Cambodia, working very closely with agricultural researchers and subsistence farmers in Southeast Asia and learning how, how they're going, how they're managing with these climate challenges And they have very different capacity from Australian farmers, you know, limited access to new knowledge, to new technologies, um, poor financial resources, limited labour resources. You know, climate change doesn't um, pick and choose who it's going to affect. It's impacting all of us. And the rural poor are some of the most vulnerable people. And yet they are our food producers. So helping them to adapt with these changing conditions is of critical importance. Are there many other countries faced with the drought problem that we are here in Australia? Yeah, there's many countries that are facing, you know, this this drying trend, uh, higher temperatures, lower rainfall. And this is what, um, you know, quite fascinates me. You think of farmers in, you know, um, Argentina or wherever in the world and you think, you know, what, what connection do I in Australia have with that person? And you start to realise, oh, my goodness, there are so many connections. We are dealing with such similar challenges in many instances of, you know, when the rains stop falling, how do we ensure that there is vegetation on the cover, to, uh, vegetation cover on the ground to reduce soil erosion? How do we ensure that our livestock are getting adequate nutrients, you know, to ensure the best welfare for our animals? So uh, farmers right around the the globe are asking similar questions. Um, And this has actually been something quite wonderful uh, in the the last year when people have been locked down, forced to jump on the computer and connect with each other. I have been able to connect with farmers right around the globe. And the number of conversations I have had with, you know, Argentinians to Pakistani farmers to uh, people in all these different countries has has been remarkable. I have learned so much and I have felt a a true privilege to be able to share some of my knowledge. Fantastic. Such an interesting and wonderful story. And I guess as part of that learning and understanding where you were a founding member of Farmers for Climate Action and you're also creator of ClimateWise Agriculture. How many people are involved with those programs and what's the purpose and what are you aiming to achieve? So ClimateWise Agriculture was the first thing I established because I was learning such interesting things in my university studies and I wanted to share what I was learning um, 
I wanted to help communicate these issues of great importance, but not in a here's a here's an academic journal or here's a scientific report because they can often you know be a bit abstract. You know, there's not a lot of emotion in those kind of <laughs> reports. So I wanted to share that story through photographs and through film and to capture the beauty of our natural world in this story and also to share the human story, you know, the the humanity that is actually caught up in the droughts, in, in the dust storms, in the floods, in the bushfires. And I think that's where people really connect with these issues like climate change is when they can see the person, the face on the other side of it and go, oh, my goodness, like, yeah, I understand why you feel those emotions and, gosh, like, that's got me at the heart and now how can I change my behaviour in response to that? And that's what really drives me. How do you connect people's hearts and mind to create positive behaviour change? Now, five years ago, a group of about 30 farmers met in the Blue Mountains and we had this conversation. Yes, we were from a great diversity of industries, from dairy farmers in the Giftsland to banana growers up near Townsville to me, an arid zone sheep farmer. You know, we're very different, but we're all feeling the impacts of climate change today and we're all very concerned about the trajectory that we're going on. And Farmers for Climate Action formed from that meeting of just a handful of people, concerned people. We now have, um, five years later, 5,000 farming members and over 30,000 non-farming members, part of this organisation. Wow. And they are people who, yeah, have come together, backed us and said, yes, we absolutely support what you are doing, your mission to look after the natural world, to do the best you possibly can do, to to learn, to help understand, because maybe we don't have all the answers right now, but unless we come together and we share ideas and we, we challenge the status quo, unless we do that, nothing's going to change. So Farmers for Climate Action, we're working very closely with researchers to understand what the climate projections are. How, how will we adapt to those conditions? How can we reduce emissions to prevent those conditions actually occurring? We work very closely with industry bodies like the National Farmers Federation and state bodies. And we also work very closely with politicians because to achieve the transformative systems change that is needed, we need good policy in place. We need roadmaps uh, to get to that future that we talk about, you know, that vibrant, carbon-neutral, safe future, you know, that, that healthy world, that beautiful biodiversity. Unless we have the steps to get there, you know, we're, we're ineffective in doing so. Yeah. And we also work very closely with sharing the farmer's story. So how can we communicate what's happening out here in rural Australia where, you know, where kangaroos outnumber people five to one, how do we actually share those stories so the majority of the population who live in the city actually hear what's happening out in their backyard? Yeah, and it becomes real, as you said, because you're connecting the humanity uh, yes. of, of it all. You've just talked to us about a couple of beautiful moments and some outcomes what are some of the other special moments and outcomes of your work? 
there's there's so many. And I mean, in the introduction, you mentioned, you know, um, meeting politicians, global leaders, royalty, and they have been, you know, very special days for me, you know, shaking hands with um, Prince Harry was a <laughs> was a, a remarkable occasion. Yeah. But to be honest, like working with the farmers in the field, um, sometimes in developing countries where I can't even we share no common language, but we're both you know staring at this plant and you know picking off an insect and studying it under a microscope, like that just gives me such a, a great fulfilment that I'm out there in the paddock working with real people who are doing such meaningful work, who are literally growing the food for our plates. And uh, maybe I'm remiss, I should have uh, introduced you as Dr. Anika, shouldn't I? I love the fact that you have practical experience, you've studied, you um, communicate, you collaborate, to the whole person, you're doing everything, I believe anyway, that someone should do to become an expert, all-rounded. And I love listening to you talk and all and how you put perspective on things to bring people from urban areas into a more, more of a reality in terms of how things work but how things are. And I don't know that we really know how things are necessarily as well. And just changing tax for a second, can I ask how being nominated for and then winning the Young Achiever Awards and, of course, the Prime Super Agricultural Innovation Award were able to help promote your work? They have promoted my work in the most fantastic way. I guess when you're recognised, not even, you know, winning the award, you know, just um, having your name put forward, your work put forward, is such an encouraging and uplifting uh, experience. But then it also gives you a platform to actually amplify your voice, to get your message out there. And I could talk about droughts and dust films all day with my Kelpie dogs and I, I often do <laughs> but unless I can get my message to the people in in Sydney in Melbourne for them to realize experience and that directly impacts the event um having a platform like you know the the Young Achiever Awards or the Agricultural Innovation Awards just helps me connect to people that I would not have been able to connect with. It it helped me to become more visible. It helped me become not only visible to myself in going, you know, wow, this is really unique, critical work and people are acknowledging the importance of it, but it makes the whole cause, you know, the whole cause of climate action more visible and I think so often we uh, we think you know I'm not the right person now's not the right time it's too busy I don't have the expertise we make up all these I shouldn't step forward or why I shouldn't put my name forward and that's a real shame to the causes that we're working on so I really do encourage um, you know people who are listening to this recording 
and uh, tossing up the idea whether they put forward a nomination or not of themselves or of someone else making a difference. I think uh, confidence and validation as well. You know, it's one thing maybe, but for others to believe, sometimes the validation and acknowledgement through an award will support that. And as you said, it gets the word out to so many more that otherwise would not have necessarily known. It is really important. And I know Prime Super were very proud of you, and I believe they've uh, done a bit, or you've done a bit of work with them as well, and they've helped to promote your cause. Oh, they have been absolutely terrific um, for National Women's Day. And, you know, they invited me to a room of 100, 200 people in each of these locations. And I was able to share my story, my passion for the natural world to help see, for them to see rural Australia, to help understand, you know, what farmers are doing, how they're actually producing food but then also the challenges that we face in rural Australia and how together we can overcome them. And so Prime Super enabled me to reach new and larger audiences that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to do. So I'm so grateful to, to have been sponsored by them and to continue work with them. Fantastic. And I know that they're very passionate about making a difference, particularly in the areas that they do business, such as agriculture, but also uh, through their health portfolio as well. And they sponsor an aged care or employer excellence in aged care. They're so, so passionate knowing many of their regional managers, as I have got to do over the last 10 years. They, uh, I just had a thought, though. I'm not sure. I have to speak to Mark Ashburn because... Um, I didn't actually get an, an invite to any of those lunches. Maybe it's still in the mail, so I'm going to have to have a word. Yeah. Um, I reckon so, yeah. Mark is a terrific guy to, to have worked with. And, yeah, I, I hope we have um, opportunity in the future to continue working with. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely send you an invitation next time. <laughs> <laughs> Tongue-in-cheek said, but, uh, <laughs> but seriously. No. Um, would you encourage, and you sort of, I guess, just did, to uh, to nominate someone they know, and and what do you think would be the one thing that would be of value to someone that would be nominated? What's the one thing that stands out? I th- I think it's that platform to further your message and to make greater impact, because you know we we all have our um, circle of influence, you know our family and friends, our community that we talk and work with. But winning an award like this or even just being nominated for an award like this and having your name and your cause put forward widens that circle of influence. You're suddenly connecting with new people in new regions um, and that's how we're going to make large environmental and social change by furthering our message and making you know, greater positive impact. Yeah, absolutely. And if anybody would like to nominate or know more about nominating, they can go to awardsaustralia.com. It's A-W-A-R-D-S, awardsaustralia.com. Or if anybody would like to know more about how uh, to get involved as a sponsor partner of the awards to help drive and make a difference for people's lives like Kanika's, uh, you'll also find a 
sponsor partner page on the website as well. So, Anika, what drives you to keep doing what you do? Look, I'm surrounded by some incredible people in rural Australia and the farming community. I find farmers have this incredible this this drive and you know every day there's a new challenge whether some you know the sheep have broken through the fence or a flood has you know washed a tree over the track or something and they don't sit on the couch and cross their arms and wait for someone else to fix it or they don't point fingers and blame whoever whatever for the issue they get up they find some pliers, some wire, whatever, and they fix a problem. And and I love that. I love people who can see a challenge as not, you know, this giant hurdle that will never overcome and, you know, this is the status quo and it's always going to be this way. No, I love working with people who see a challenge and you see the cogs in their mind clicking away of, oh, okay, this is how I'm going to fix this. And this is how I'm going to make it better. Working with farmers, it's every evening I walk out in the paddock and I see the sky turns to this fairy floss pink. The galahs and cockatoos fly over and find their roosting sites in the river red gums along our creek. And I feel such a sense of love and belonging here. Um, I feel as though I am so deeply connected with my home and having that scientific environmental conditions and knowing the reality of what that means on my home and on rural Australia means that I am going to work as hard as I can every single day to make sure that these places and these people that I love are going to have the best possible future that I can help ensure. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. And uh, I think we don't, in urban areas, stop and really look at nature or think about what we're blessed with and what we could lose if we don't all collectively make some sort of difference. As we say towards Australia, together we make a difference. And that applies goes a long way if we're all contributing. So, you know, I think that was really touching. And I just had this picture of a sunset <laughs> myself. I was, and I thought I wanted to be there. You're welcome to visit any time. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> oh, well, I'll definitely uh, do that at some stage. How do you stay motivated, you know, with your intense schedule? It can sometimes feel like a very heavy weight. Are we moving in the right direction quick enough? And so it is a really good question of, of how do you stay motivated and also how do you stay resilient in a world with a lot of really big challenges? What I do is I, I go easy on myself. Hour of my day, I go for a walk with my dog, you know, in amongst the landscape, which I love, reset myself of, okay, well, this is what I'm working for. I can see it around me and having a clear idea of what I'm going to do for this coming day. 
it's also about, you know, finding great people, um, connecting with them, and awards like this really do help. You put your message out there, and it's sort of like a, you know, a light bulb to moths sometimes. You suddenly attract these other really incredible people who go, yeah, I... I totally understand what you're saying. And yes, my goodness, that's an important issue. And I want to help you. Yeah, that's excellent. What's the biggest hurdle that we have to overcome as a country, as a nation? As you mentioned before, Jeff, I think it's a disengagement with the natural world. A, a lot of people do live in small apartments with a, a window the size of an A4 piece of paper and how will they ever know if bird species are disappearing or if the rivers are running dry um, and it's no fault of their own but for us who are realizing the bird species are disappearing and are seeing the rivers run are actually letting our urban cousins know what's happening out here in the natural world in doing so, in sharing our message as farmers, as rural Australians, we can help connect people. We can help them to fall in love with, you know, our natural world again and feel that sense of belonging to it, that sense of home and that, that desire to nurture nature so it can actually nurture us in return. Yeah. As a challenge for our listeners, for each of us. What's something uh, you might not know about, Anika? Um, Besides I, talking to your dog. <laughs> I talk a lot with my animals around here, <laughs> whether it's the duck or the sheep or whoever it is. Um, I'm a very creative person. I think a lot of people think, oh, a, a scientist, you know, Dr. Molesworth. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which I am. I'm also a nerd, but... <laughs> Um, but a lot of people quite quickly categorise looking down a microscope with a lab coat um, and, you know, has an Excel sheet open on the computer. Whereas I adore working with filmmakers, you know, bringing that emotion. Can, can I capture their heart through, through poetry or through a film? So I love working with creative people, absolutely, and being creative myself. Well, that's brilliant. We uh, across the country are privileged to work with a number of universities as sponsor of our uh, various categories, including um, University of Adelaide, there's University of Queensland, Curtin, Western Sydney University, CDU in uh, Darwin. Some of the people we work with there are the funniest, quirky, best people ever. They really are. Uh, not nerdy in the true sense that uh, we might think and um, I think you epitomise that as well. Some really funny, funny people I remember just digressing. We had an awards night in Darwin for the NT Young Achiever Awards and the Vice-Chancellor Simon Maddox, Professor Simon Maddox, I hope he won't be listening and he won't mind me saying this but um, and I'm sure he won't. The winner of the award that they were sponsoring the arts award was in um, Baker Boy and he was in Queensland performing and wasn't able to be at the event. Anyway, they were playing one of his songs whilst a representative came up for him to collect his award. And then Simon up on the stage dancing literally on the stage. 
running around dancing to this music. Not necessarily the best dance, dance moves I've ever seen, but I'm not going to be throwing stones there. Uh, and I thought, you know, and he's so quirky, you know, judging and so on, he's cracking jokes and whatnot. And he, really, but a lot of these people are just fantastic people. And, I, you know, I think you're really are, are brilliant, not just for our climate and our ecosystems and agriculture, but sending a perfect message to young women to say, get into science. It's really cool and you can make a real difference. So uh, thank you for that. And I think having, you know, more young people and more diversity, whether it's gender or ethnicity or, or whatever, it, it shakes up the system and it asks us, you know, you know, maybe we can do science a bit differently. Maybe it's not just writing a, a dry article to be published in an academic journal. Maybe it is making little Twitter videos or like Instagram posts and sharing science in new and exciting ways and engaging people in ways that we haven't done traditionally in science. And that shake-up is only going to come with, you know, that new blood, that creativity, that continual questioning. So uh, I totally encourage young people and people from very diverse backgrounds to look at science and STEM as a whole as a, as a beautiful career choice. Yeah, yeah, well said. Well, obviously, COVID's impacted your travel as far as keynote speakers around the world is concerned. How else has it impacted your work? Mm. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, farmers, no matter where we are in the world, we do um, have similar challenges to overcome, particularly in terms of um, how do we look after our biodiversity? How do we, you know, make sure that we're maintaining, you know, trees in our landscapes, you know, tackle climate change, all of these things. And COVID, you know, getting more people in front of their computer camera, even though it was a bit uncomfortable at first, you know, having beaming into someone's bedroom or office space, has actually enabled me to reach people right around the world and farmers and agricultural researchers, which I never would have connected prior to um, this COVID situation and this online world which we're now experiencing. So the past year, I've had the most fantastic conversations with young female veterinarian groups in Pakistan or um, agronomists in Argentina or um, a Nigerian fish farmer who I connected with over a book I'm writing. And we've just had the most wonderful knowledge sharing experience, you know, learning from one another. And I think this is going to continue long into the future. It's not going to um, finish once COVID vaccines are rolled out and life returns to some sort of normalcy. I think there have been a lot of friendships built from this experience. And a lot of people have realized through these online platforms, we can connect with people, um, diverse people, you know, wonderful people that we can tackle these big challenges together with. You mentioned a book. Tell us more. Yes. So I am writing a book. 2020, I um, sat at my desk and plotted out what I think is needed to fix a broken food system in a climate-challenged world. And then I got on Zoom and I had conversations with people all over the planet and right along the food system, 
from the farmers in their field in Kenya through to nutritionists, chefs, climate advocates, scientists, and ask them, you know, how is climate change impacting the food system from your position on it? How is it impacting your region, your country? And what is your vision of the food system? What do you actually see as, you know, the ideal world that you want created? And amazingly, you know, people expressed the same challenges that they're facing and also painted a quite similar beautiful picture of the world that they want to navigate towards. And so the last few months I've been doing my best of bringing these incredible ideas and insights together on the page in written word and to, uh, you know, describe these, these places, the food system, to make it also clear and concise. So for someone who doesn't actually live on a farm or has actually seen an apple on an apple tree before, but for them to actually visual, be able to visualise, you know, where their food actually comes from, who's involved in this incredibly complex but beautiful system, and what can you do in the kitchen, um, in Manly or wherever you are, to actually help the food system and the farmer at the production end of it. So that's what my book is about. And I think it will be landing on bookshelves, hopefully in September this year. Fantastic. Sounds like a, an interesting read and uh, fascinating read, in fact. If you want to learn about what's going on around the world in agriculture and our food systems, you've got to hang out till September. Yeah, that's and right. Stay tuned. So we've got the book happening. What, what else is next for Anika? I'm going to continue doing my work in, uh, you know, communication. I, I want to collaborate with exciting people, um, creative people, people who think outside the box. And I want to work with people like this and communicate this vision of where we could end up. Because, yes, the harsh realities of the drought are forefront of my mind. I can walk out the door and I can feel it, you know, on my heart how dire the situation is becoming and I can look at the science and I can feel alarmed with the projections. But then I, I think of this vision that I hold very clearly in my mind and I go, it's, it's not an issue of technology or know-how. We've got the technology. We know what to do. There are incredible people right around the world who are working on this. And if we could just work a bit more closely and a bit more effectively together, we would knock this on its head. Mm-hmm. And so I call myself a realist, but that also makes me an optimist because I know we can create this beautiful vision that we all hold we just got to get our act together. Well, I think we've all got our fingers crossed that uh, as a collective you uh, can come up with some faster outcomes than otherwise might be possible because I do think we all are very protective of our work, of our thinking, rather than being more collaborative. And as you say, if we were to do that, things would happen much faster. So do you have any other words? You've given us plenty. But do you have any other words of wisdom or encouragement for our listeners? I think it's to be yourself and to back yourself. I could have given up the first time someone told me I couldn't do it. 
I could have given up the first time an internet troll told me I wasn't good enough. But, you know, I, I look around the farm and I know what my values are. I know what I will not accept in my life and I will not accept my home being degraded. I will not accept, you know, the mental health toll that that takes on my rural community or myself. And so I will do whatever I can uh, to prevent those things. And I can't change the world, but I can change my world. And that means I can find things that I can do in my life. And if that's, you know, reading a scientific report and then uh, translating that into a beautiful image on Instagram and connecting people that way, then I think, you know, I, I've done something good today. I've helped someone else engage in this topic. If I am able to, to help someone else feel empowered that, that they can do something positive in their life, and it might not necessarily be on climate change, maybe it's on a, a social issue cause that they're passionate about, but if they think, yeah, maybe, maybe I will nominate myself for this award, or maybe I will speak to my local council about this topic that I want to see changed then I think that's, that's incredibly, incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. You're very captivating, and I hope our listeners are finding it equally so. As I said, hang out for that book. How else uh, can our listeners connect with you online or find out more about Anika Molesworth and what you do? Sure. Well, um, I'm in most places. <laughs> um, I've got a website, so a quick Google search of Anika Molesworth. I'm also on a lot of the social media sites, so Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. I share contact content on all of these different platforms, and I share different things on these different platforms, you know, tailored for these audiences. And I ask a lot of questions in my work too. You know, what do you think of this idea? Um, what are you working on? Because it's it's not a one-way flow of, of information. I, I want to learn from people and to also work with them on, on courses that I'm passionate about and on courses that they're passionate about. I think one thing that comes across, Anika, is that you're a listener. Um, as well as a, a talker, and you have to, as a keynote speaker, you have to talk, but I sense that you're a real listener and you're a sieve for information as well, which makes you the extraordinary person you are, I think. Well, I hope everybody's enjoyed my chat with Anika as much as I have. It's been a real pleasure, Anika. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together as well thank you so much jeff it's the pleasure has been all mine and thank you to all the team at awards australia for giving not only me but you know people all around the country an opportunity to share their message and to make a positive difference in the world thank you so much well everyone until next week stay safe be kind and keep inspiring because together we make a difference I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. 
Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award. Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.